Human behavior has always been a mystery. Why do people do what they do? Why do they react one way when we expected something else? How do we learn to understand, connect with, enroll, engage, align with people most effectively? Hi, I'm Christine Kemaford, founder of Smart Tribes Institute, and welcome to our Smart Tribes Crack the Behavior Code podcast. In each episode, you'll learn practical, easy to use tools to better understand and change human behavior. These tools will help your team outperform, out-engage, outsell the competition. In other words, to become a smart tribe. Oh, and you'll find these tools super helpful in your personal life too. Let's go. What creates passion, loyalty, drive, peak performance, and even love for one's organization? Motivation. And what creates motivation? Well, it's not a quick answer. And in this podcast, you're going to learn how to unpack the motivators beneath human behavior to understand why we do what we do and how to offer alternative behaviors that feel even better than the behaviors a person is currently choosing. Now, before we get into tools, here's a quick refresher on emotional intelligence. And this is key because most people could use some work on one or both of the two emotional intelligence paths. The first path of emotional intelligence, and if you want to visualize this horizontally, uh, we will have this diagram in the show notes, is the personal competence path. So it's your relationship with yourself. So there are two categories here, self-awareness, how in tune you are with your own emotions, and self-management, your ability to regulate your emotional state. So that means, gosh, I'm feeling really grumpy in tune with one's emotions, so I don't think it's going to be wise to send this flame email, ability to regulate. The second path, social competence, your relationship with others. Again, we have two categories here, social awareness, how in tune you are with other people's emotions, and then relationship management, your ability to navigate emotions in interactions with others. So if we walk into a room and we can tell people are really stressed out, we feel that we are tuning in. Thus, we soothe and we help everybody move through whatever challenge they're having and we uncover what the challenge is. So for example, if a person isn't very self-aware, they may not be receptive to participating in using the following tools, and you'll need to use them on your own, and then over time, invite them in. So if a person isn't very socially aware, they may struggle with reading social cues or may be too wrapped up in their own experience to notice the impact their behavior has on others. So again, you'll use the tools I'm going to cover in a few minutes based on yourself initially. Then we can invite people to use these tools as well. But first, let's look at some research. So what kills motivation? Richard Clark of University of Southern California Center for Cognitive Thinking, did some very cool research on motivation. And here's a high level of his findings. And I, I think it'll, I'll help you implement them with our brain-based tools, but I want you to first kind of really sit with the data that you hear. So the net-net is that people lose motivation when they fall into what Clark calls motivation traps. The four motivation traps are the following. 
number one, values mismatch. So this is like, I don't care enough to do this. So if the project isn't tied to something that the person values, they won't be motivated to do it. Key is to find out what they value. And hopefully your projects can be tied to your organization's emotionally engaging core values that everybody is inspired by. And we want to ensure that the project is interesting. So help them expand their identity, if you will, via the project. Help them see how their being in this project or their running this project is because we trust them, is because we see their expertise and we value it. We want to check in on what they are believing about the values and about themselves. Now, human experience changes as we move through the six levels of the logical levels of change. So this is how humans navigate change. And again, this image will be on the show page. But picture concentric circles. The outermost circle is our environment. Then innermost, next inward is behavior, then capability, beliefs, identity, and core. The environment is your physical, emotional, mental space. So, you know, maybe uh, your home office, right? The gym, it's a physical space. Behavior, behavior is what you do, your actions. And the values that people or organizations hold dear contribute really to defining their behavior. So how somebody acts. Next, capability your skills, tools, abilities. Next, inner, is beliefs, the decisions, the meaning that you make about things outside of you, your organization, the world, uh, a situation. They are, it is, he is, okay? Things outside of you. Identity are the decisions, the meaning that you make about yourself. I am, I can, etc. Core is what you hold most sacred in your life, uh, your purpose, if you will. So I want us to notice that since people deal with information and we change in the six levels I just mentioned, um, might your environment be affecting their motivation? Is it conducive to collaboration and communication as well as bonding and connection? How are the behaviors of others? Are they helpful, supportive, goal-oriented? Do they have the capabilities, the skills, the tools they need? I'll jump next to core because if the organization's purpose isn't compelling, you'll want to tune it up. And in my coaching work, I've helped hundreds of organizations create an emotionally engaging mission and purpose and vision in even the most challenging industries. Now, identity and beliefs are deeply connected to core. Number two, self-efficacy. And what, these, what this motivation trap really means is I don't think I'm able to do this. So if an employee doesn't feel that they have the capability, either the skill set or the available time, they will lose motivation. And often confidence is the key factor here. And clarity on the project will help a lot. So with a clear spec as to what success looks like, what resources the person has access to to actually accomplish this task, who they can get mentoring, have check-ins with, you can really pretty easily move past this demotivator. Also, making priorities and energy allocation clear with a high-value, low-value process, that'll help a lot. So here are the tools that will really help here. Think of two columns, just making two columns, and we'll show you, uh, we'll put a tutorial in the show page. 
on the left, low value activities, and just make that a, uh, a vertical column. On the right, high value activities. So the high value activities are the tasks that energize you, that tap into your strengths. Yes, maybe they're challenging, but they feel good to do. And they're how you add the most leverage to your organization. Low value activities. You know what I'm talking about. These are the ones that you know you should ditch or delegate or defer. They don't bring great value to your organization. They're draining, boring, something, frankly, you're not good at and you really should give to somebody else or tasks that you must do, but you want to move through them as effectively, as efficiently as possible. So you'll see an example of a low value, high value. I'll give you a couple of quick examples right now. But what we want to do is we want to list our low value added activities like micromanaging, doing other people's work, uh, filing, expense reports, whatever. Then on the, on the right, high value activities, strategic planning, product development, cultivating leadership, forging external alliances. And when we make this table of where our energy and time goes at work, Right, we're going to total up what's the total percentage on the left low value, what's the total percentage on the right. The whole table equals 100%. That's 100% of your work time. Then we want to help the person prioritize or ditch, delegate, defer, or reframe tasks and projects to get them remotivated. So when we look at this table, we really want to make sure that we have 70% or more of our time going to high value added activities. If not, we need to work on why we're putting so much energy on things that don't move the needle. Next, you might have some identity work to do, right? Again, go back to the logical levels of change graphic that you'll see on the show page or that you can read about in our book, Power Your Tribe, uh, where we unpack identity in great detail. And in number four, uh, demotivator number four, in just a moment, we'll show you another tool. So let's do our next motivation trap, which is dis disruptive emotions. Um, I'm too upset to do this. So this is where emotional resilience comes in. So since humans are highly emotional beings, it's essential that we all become more aware of our own and the emotions of others. If someone is snared by anxiety or depression or even good old fight, flight, freeze, it's essential that we use the following tools. The emotion wheel that you'll see on the show page is just a wheel of some of the most common human emotions. And in the innermost section, if you will, you'll see six pie slices, if you will. Uh, you'll see mad, sad, scared, peaceful, powerful, joyful, and then you'll see a series of emotions sort of spanning off of those. We want to be able to at any time say, how am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling powerful. I'm feeling really calm. So we want to make sure that we understand how a person is feeling. And then we say, uh, like they, if they say, this is, really, this is really difficult, I'm feeling really frustrated. We go, ah, what specifically is difficult about this? What specifically is frustrating about this? Then we use the tool, the outcome frame. And the outcome frame actually helps us understand what the outcome is that they actually want to create. You'll see an infographic of the outcome frame on the show page. But basically, we ask them a series of questions. What would you like? Because we know what they would not like. <laughs> All right. What would you like? What will having that do for you? How will you know when you have it? 
What that you value might you risk or lose to get it? When, where, with whom would you like it? What are your next steps, right? The goal is to help get the person back in their smart state so they have more behavioral choice and emotional resilience. Number four, attribution errors. I don't know what went wrong with this. So when something goes wrong and we can't figure out why, it's deeply unsettling. It's deeply demotivating. So this is where quarterly or monthly business reviews, project postmortems, and feedback can help us understand the people, process, tools, challenges that may have occurred. Also, when we feel that we can't complete a task or can't succeed due to an outside force, wow, that's really demotivating. This is what's key to unpack what the person is believing Right there we go with beliefs so we can help the person get back in motion. And I find that attribution errors often are connected to our org rights. Organismic rights, I'll just do a quick summary. You'll see an um, infographic on the show page. But we all have five basic rights as human beings. The right to exist, the right to be seen, be heard, be here. Number two, the right to have needs to know what we need, to express our needs, to have our needs honored. Number three, the right to take action, the right to actually go after what we want in life, be accountable, uh, keep our commitments. Number four, the right to have consequences for our actions. So we take an action, it doesn't work out. How easy is it for us to say, whoa, I messed up, here's how I'm gonna fix it, let's move forward. And then number five, the right to love and be loved. So I want to make sure that we um, start to notice the people in our lives, the people at work, and what org rights they might struggle with most. So once we understand what they're struggling with, we can help them increase that org right, and you'll see uh, cures, if you will, for each of the org rights on the infographic. Build more confidence in themselves, feel better, have more self-awareness, have more self-compassion. So what's the net net of all this? So Clark at USC found that there are four motivation traps in the workplace. The great news is that we just went over some brain-based tools that help you and your team get out of these traps. And again, you'll see all this good stuff on our uh, show page. You can use the tools to reboot motivation for yourself and others. And they're key to helping someone exit the traps. Uh, and also, helping somebody exit the trap, first we want to understand their emotional experience and what they're believing about themselves and the situation. How will you motivate somebody today? Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Every listen, every share, every review helps others form their own smart tribes where teams are engaged, happy, and optimally performing. Together, you and I can help millions of people crack the behavior code in their organizations families, and communities. I invite you to take two minutes and head over to smarttribesinstitute.com to discover more about how to form a smart tribe. See you there, and please tell your friends.